Alright, hey everyone, my name is Scott and I am a compulsive overeater. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of OA Zoom meetings. I'm not convinced that OA Zoom meetings are fully anonymous, which is why I always use the call-in option. But here I am and I'm very grateful to be here. Um, I just learned a couple of days ago that I'd be speaking at this meeting today and um, while I'm grateful to be here, I just have a whole lot going on. It's a, an actually a really interesting time in my life. Uh, I'm getting married in two months, and uh, there's a lot of planning. If you didn't know, there's a lot of planning that goes into not only the ceremony itself, but the, the, the reception, the party, the day after. There's a lot of money that goes into it as well. Uh, you know, we have folks coming in from out of the area. We have folks coming in from out of the state. We even have folks coming in from out of the country. Um, you know, we bought a house last year, and we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of fully moving into it. And we still have a lot of home improvement projects to complete. And our preference is to complete these things before the, the wedding weekend because we want some of our guests to be able to comfortably stay in, um, in our home if they need it. So, And in addition to that, we're still kind of recovering from a snowstorm that hit us uh, right after last Christmas. So um, I say all this because, um, you know, I was a newcomer over 21 years ago. And if I could somehow give that newcomer over 21 years ago a sneak pre preview of what his problems would look like in the future, I'm sure I, as a newcomer, would have said, yes, please. And, um, you know, my problems are just that. They're my problems of today. But, but trust me, I much prefer my problems of today over my problems of yesterday. But there's a lot to do. And it seems like every free minute that I have is going towards something that isn't very fun. I'll, I'll just be flat out honest with you. It's just a very busy time. But when I chose to put down the fork, this is the life that I, I chose uh, instead. So I'm very grateful to be here, but um, it would be, it'd be nice to take a breath. <laughs> I'm going to do that right now. There we go. Um, anyway, um, I am going to get into my experience with physical relapse, but I also want to get a little bit into what I call emotional and spiritual relapse because that's kind of what's on my plate these days. Um, I'm currently working with two sponsees, and um, one of my sponsees and I often talk about an AA book called Emotional Sobriety. And... Um, you know, for those of you who don't know, um, if you look at OA recovery, there are three different components to it. There's physical recovery, there's emotional recovery, and there's spiritual recovery. And each um, aspect of OA recovery is representative of realness or, or authenticity, right? For example, physical recovery is all about honesty, emotional recovery is all about truth, and spiritual recovery is all about reality, Right, so I deal with the physical part of recovery in step one. I deal with the emotional part of recovery in steps two through nine, and I deal with the spiritual part of recovery in steps ten, eleven, and twelve. So when I dove into the emotional part of recovery, my goal was to seek and find the truth. 
And what I mean by that is, for most of my life, I have told myself a lot of lies. I affectionately call these lies the narrative. Um, I am the author of several great works of fiction that I store up in my head at the Library of Scott. And um, these lies serve a purpose, primarily two purposes. Number one is uh, they are an extension of my issues around procrastination. So when you spend as much time as I do um, thinking about how stupid you are, how ugly you are, how unlovable you are, you kind of don't have time to do things that need to be dealt with. And um, I wasted a lot of time and energy and emotion thinking about nonsense, thinking about things that ultimately are not true. The other purpose those lies served is that they gave me a permission to not, they gave me permission to not grow up. And my thing for much of my life was, you know, why should I go to college? It doesn't matter anyway because. Why should I get a driver's license? It doesn't matter anyway because. And the fact of the matter is, you're going to be dead by the time you're 30 years old and not a single person is going to miss you anyway. So why don't you just continue living off your parents, living off the government, and one day the pain will be gone, and no one's going to miss you. And that's kind of a sad existence for someone only in their 20s, right? I rolled into my first OA meeting at age 28 in early 2001, and that was, you know, a big part of my life, was this, this negative thinking, this lack of confidence, right? So... With the emotional part of recovery, I needed to undo those lies and welcome in the truth. You know, I'm not stupid, I'm not ugly, I am lovable, right? And I really believe those things these days. And um, once I start to believe those things, I need to act like I believe those things. And that's where the spiritual part of recovery comes in. This is where I find that newfound knowledge and hope of who I am and who I am in the world, and I put it into action. It wasn't enough to believe I wasn't ugly. I need to act like I wasn't ugly. It wasn't enough to believe that I was lovable. I needed to act like I was lovable. So I started to um, take some positive risks, and um, I got a lot of benefit from that. So... Um, you know, four years ago, I met Mrs. Wright, and here we are in this great big house together, and in two months, we're getting married, right? So there's a lot going on with that, and, um, you know, it, it's really interesting because I spent seven years in relapse, and in the summer of 2010, I got abstinent, and, you know, since then, I've gained a lot of confidence, you know, I, I started to have grown-up discussions with co-workers and friends and family members, OA members. And, you know, I could hold my own on certain conversations about a wide, you know, range of topics. And I could argue pretty well, too. And, um, you know, that just, cr you know, created more confidence. Well, it's really funny. You know, things happen and, you know, uh, you, you, you get a new job and you move. In my case, I moved out of San Francisco and then I moved completely out of the Bay Area. And, you know, the folks that I primarily hang out with these days would be considered people in Mrs. Wright's circle, like her friends, her family, her friends, um, you know, partners and husbands and, the, and those type of people. 
And it's really interesting. I feel like I'm kind of in the middle of emotional and spiritual relapse. Because here's the thing. Um, Mrs. Wright comes from a very intelligent family. You know, most of them went to private school or they taught at fancy private schools. A lot of them have advanced degrees. They didn't live like I did. They didn't eat fast food when they were kids. They didn't drink soda pop when they were kids. They didn't watch TV when they were kids. They weren't on pharmaceuticals when they were kids. I mean, these are really sharp, intelligent people. And it's funny because I have an advanced degree. And I can hold a conversation with these people. But there's a part of me that's lost some confidence with that. And I've fallen into some bad habits. Um, There's this economic or business theory that says that every employee will get promoted to the point of um, incompetency. And I feel like as far as my social life, I've been promoted to the point of incompetency. I'm just feeling a little bit of lack of confidence these days. And it's, it's just really interesting witnessing myself gaining confidence and then kind of losing some of it in this particular area. But that's what I mean by emotional and spiritual relapse. I hope that that makes sense. Um, as far as physical relapse goes... Um, I did come into the fellowship in March of 2001, and I got abstinent pretty quickly. I think I shared at a recent OA meeting in the city that I found a sponsor within the first week. I actually actually misspoke. I got my first sponsor within about the first three weeks of, of coming in, and he was instrumental in giving me my first food plan. He helped me get off of white sugar, which I've been off of since March 26, 2021, and he just was an important part of my life, my recovery. And um, in my first two months of abstinence, I lost 40 pounds. In my first nine months of abstinence, I experienced a lot of firsts. I went on my first date and, you know, did a lot of that, you know, kissing and stuff like that for the first time, relationships. And I started, and I continued to lose weight. Um, at some point... I wasn't really taking my recovery very seriously. I was more focused on the girlfriend at the time and, you know, just kind of experience all, uh, experiencing all these firsts. And um, I started to kind of slack off as far as meeting attendance and working steps. Um, I started to become dishonest with, with sponsors I worked with. And, you know, that original abstinence probably lasted about two years. But what happened was... Um, you know, lying to your sponsor is not sustainable. Messing with your food is not sustainable. Slacking off on the tools of recovery is not sustainable. And at some point, I lost my abstinence. And that um, lasted about seven years. And it wasn't until about the summer um, of 2010 where I, you know, was newly committed to um, a program of recovery. I started working, working with a new sponsor And um, he made some suggestions that I had thought about previously that other folks had recommended, but I was always unwilling to do until now because the level of desperateness was was a lot different than where where it was as a newcomer. You know, in many ways, relapse is worse than who I was before coming into OA because when I came into OA, the expectation was failure. But 
when I came into OA and, and experienced some early success physically, you know, I, I feel like um, things had changed and the expectation was to continue losing weight and becoming um, a healthy, productive member of society. And when I failed to do that, I, I just experienced this level of shame that was unlike anything I experienced before coming into the rooms of OA. So um, I, I remember going to the Century meeting one night and someone who had survived relapse said that, you know, I felt as though I lost a precious treasure or something like that. And the way I put it is I felt as though I lost the winning lottery ticket, right? So my ego got into the way, my pride got into the way, my fear got into the way, and, you know, ego is the absence of God, pride is the absence of humility, and fear is the absence of, of love. And, um, you know, I had physical recovery, but I didn't have the emotional and spiritual recovery because I kind of, although I was still in the fellowship, I kind of left a little bit too early before I can get to that point where I really did a heavy-duty step four and five, six and seven, eight and nine, right? I kind of stopped at around part partway through step four or five, but even that was not that comprehensive, and I continued to lie to my sponsor at the time. So um, in the summer of 2010, I continued what I had never, you know, given up previously. I continued to not eat white sugar, and I began to eliminate wheat products because of my physical dependence on white flour. I gave up corn products. I gave up potato products, and I gave up rice products. And that eventually led to giving up caffeinated beverages and artificially sweetened foods and beverages and some other things since then. And guess what? I'm now grown up. I have a big boy job. I have a big boy income. I have a big, big, I have a lot of big boy responsibility. And um, I'm just really grateful for the life I have today. And um, I look forward to hearing your shares. Thank you.